morning. It's good to see you here this morning. We are in our third and final week of this series that we're in called Unstoppable. We've been talking about the kingdom of God. We've been talking about God's mission, God's purpose. We've been talking about the purpose of this church, that uh, we are here to love God and serve people and change lives. It's what we're all about. We're all about loving God, serving people, loving people by serving them, and changing lives. And that's a mission that belongs to all of us. It doesn't just belong to the staff. It just doesn't just belong to the leadership of the church. As a church, that is your mission. That is our mission. That belongs to all of us. See, Jesus never intended for the church to be a place where people just came, sang a few songs, heard a teaching on how to be a good person or a better person. The church is to be a body of believers who are an unstoppable force impacting their community and their world by proclaiming and demonstrating the kingdom of God here on earth. That's what the church is to be, the church big picture. A body of believers who are an unstoppable force impacting their community and their world by proclaiming and demonstrating the kingdom of God. That's the rule and the reign of God on this earth. It's God, the kingdom of God is God coming in with Jesus and saying, I'm taking over. I'm taking charge. And that only happens as, as you know, our mission only happens as people in the church, as we move, for, move from, from spectator to participant on the field of play. Ephesians 4, we've looked at this before, we're going to be looking at it again. It's a, it's a powerful verse that says so much. Verses 11 and 12 says, Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers for what reason? says, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. The work of the ministry belongs to each and every person sitting in the congregation. If you are a believer in Christ, you are called to do the work of the ministry. Not just the person that stands up here. Not just you know, the, 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 the people that are on staff. It is every single person. The ministry belongs to us. Everyone. You may think, well, not me, but God says, yes, you. Yes, That's right. That's why we're called to be united so we can do that purpose. You may think, I don't have anything to offer. I don't have any formal training. I don't know what to do. But Jesus says, well, you have my Holy Spirit in you, and that's all you need. See, this is what I think happens when a lot of people read a verse like that. We see the phrase, works of service. To equip people, to equip his people for works of service. And we see the word work in there. And when we see the word work, we think of a responsibility, we think of a burden, we think of a heavy weight to carry, something that's hard to do, and, and something for which we are not qualified to carry, or we're not, you know, not worthy to carry, or we're incapable of carrying it. Often people see themselves as unworthy and, and, and un, unable, and we think, why would God use me when there are so many other people who are more capable and who are better qualified and better trained? Ever had thoughts like that? Why would God use me? There's more people who are better qualified, who are better able, who are, 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 have more training. And that's how we look at that verse. I think it, a better way to look at it as an invitation. 
a call to join God in the work that he is already doing. See, what we need to realize is that when God invites us to join in what he is doing, he's the one that's doing the work. He does it through us, but he's the one that's doing it. It's his Holy Spirit that is working through you. It's his strength, it's his power, it's his ability. He's working in and through you. And when he calls you, you may feel totally out of your comfort zone. Can you identify with that? Feel totally out of your comfort zone. Most of us do. You may feel unprepared, and most of us are. But the thing that is important to realize is that God doesn't call the prepared. He prepares the called. He doesn't call the prepared. He prepares the called. I wanted to look at the Apostle Peter for a minute. Apostle Peter did some amazing things. In Jesus' name. He healed the sick. He even raised the dead. You can read about that in Acts chapter 9. He went on, he wrote two of the books of the Bible, first and second Peter. But the thing that we need to realize is that he wasn't always the Apostle Peter. See, shortly after the disciples were filled with the Spirit, Peter and John were, were, they were going to the temple where they came across a lame man who was begging for money. Many of you know the story. He, 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 they didn't have any money to, to give to him, but they gave him something better. They healed him. And that caused, caused quite a stir among the religious leaders. They had, they had the apostles, they had them arrested, they had them jailed. And in Acts chapter 4, the religious leaders are interrogating Peter and John. They're interrogating them when Luke tells us in verse 13, says the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that what? They could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. And yet they'd been out telling people about Jesus and about his resurrection and about life in him. It says they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures, and they also recognized them as man who had been with Jesus. Have you ever thought, man, must have been great to be the apostles and be able to go out and do all of that stuff, see people healed. Man, it would have been great to see for be Peter and actually raise somebody from the dead. I wish I could do that. I wish I could heal the sick. I could, wish I could you know, make the blind eye see. I wish I could make the lame walk. I want to ask you something. Why not? Seriously. I'm being serious. Why can't you? Who says you can't? You see, we tend to look at the apostles like they were superhumans that ran around with capes doing the impossible, right? They were, the, they were the, 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 the superheroes of their day, right? But Scripture doesn't tell us that. That's the way we look at them, but Scripture tells us they were ordinary people with no special training. Peter didn't have a PhD in healing the sick or raising the dead. He was a fisherman. He was a blue-collar worker. He went, got up in the morning and went to work just like every single person here and worked a job and went home. He was an ordinary guy. He was no different than you or than me. So how did this ordinary guy do such extraordinary things? The religious leaders saw what it was. 
they recognized it. They recognized him as one who had been with Jesus. And that makes all the difference in the world. And it's the same with you and me. God doesn't call someone based on their education. He doesn't say, hmm, I need someone to go do this job for me. Uh, let, let, let me uh, look on the job search site and uh, see who's, whose resume stands out to me. He didn't choose the disciples by looking at their resume. He calls ordinary people like you and me, and when, they, when we say yes and begin to follow him, he prepares us for the things that he has for us to do. He calls us, and then he prepares us, and he knows how to prepare us. I mean, sometimes it's just by taking us through the experiences in life and the difficulties in life that prepare us for what's to come. But the greatest thing, the greatest thing that prepared Peter for the things that God did through him was time spent with Jesus. That was the greatest thing. See, ministry flows from ordinary people who spend time with Jesus because two things happen. Two things happen when ordinary people start to spend time with Jesus. First, they end up giving their whole lives to him. Spend time with Jesus, you're going to end up giving your whole life to him. The more we spend time with him, the more we get to know him, the more we drop resistance. We see there's no point in resisting. There's no reason to resist. He loves me with the greatest love I will ever know in my life. And he has my best interest at heart in all things, even when he takes me through difficult things. And the more we begin to spend time with him and know him and know his love, the more we just surrender everything and say, I'm all yours. Everything, lock, stock, and barrel. Take all of me. See, when Jesus called Simon Peter to follow him, Peter was an ordinary guy. He wasn't famous, wasn't a PhD. He wasn't a powerful member of society. He was a fisherman. That means he smelled like sweat and fish every day, right? You ever smell fish? You ever walk by the grocery store, by that one section where they have the fresh fish, and it's on a certain day you wonder, I wonder how long all that stuff has been in there because I think it's past time to eat. Yeah, it's, 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 that was Peter. He, he smelled like sweat and fish. Jesus came along one day where, where, where you know, uh, uh, Peter and, par- and his partners had just come in from a hard day of fishing and caught nothing, no results. Fished all night, not caught anything. Jesus comes along, climbs in his boat, says, push out from shore a little bit, Pete. I want to teach the people. I want to teach something. And now most, most likely, you know, we tend to see this and, and, and we don't realize that this is probably not the first time Peter had seen uh, Jesus. It's probably the first, you know, not the first time that they'd met. It's probably not the first time that, that, that he has heard him, you know, he's probably heard him teach before. I mean, who knows, he may have been there earlier when Jesus cast a demon out of man in the synagogue. He may have been there earlier, you know, when Jesus healed some people. 
Because, you know, they were all from that area, and, and, and they knew what was going on. So it, 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 Peter and, and Jesus had most likely seen each other or met before. So, you know, Jesus gets in his boat and says, hey, Pete, push out from shore a little bit. I want to teach. So Peter pushes out from shore a bit, and, and Jesus teaches from his boat. And then he tells him something else. He goes, go out into deeper water and let down your nets. Here's Jesus, a carpenter, telling a fisherman how to do his work. Right? And, you know, Peter kind of explains, you know, Lord, or, or Jesus, we've been, we've been fishing all night, all night, all night long. We were just cleaning our nets, getting ready to call it a day because we haven't caught anything. And, and but then he says, but because you say so, I'll do it. And I wonder what Peter was thinking. I just wonder what he was thinking. You say so, I'll do it, and I'll show you who's the fisherman around here. And and you know, I mean, I you know, I, I don't know, I don't know. I'm just speculating there. But he says, because you say so, I'll do it. He let down his nets into the water, and he caught such a haul of fish that the nets were at their breaking point. He calls the partners over, and they bring their boat over, and they start loading the fish, start hauling it into the boats, and it gets to the point they've got so many fish, the, 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 the both boats are at the sinking point. And that's where we pick up in Luke chapter 5, verse 8. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. And Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you're going to fish for people. You're going to catch men and women. So they pulled up their boats on shore, left everything, and followed him. Something we have to realize about Peter, his partner James and John, Anybody here like to go fishing? Okay. What's it like when you go fishing? Relaxing. Anybody, anybody remember the old Andy, Andy Griffith show? The whistling, you know, and they're walking at the beginning and skipping a stone across the lake and, and you know, they got the fishing pole. And you know the typical scene where, where you have somebody just going out for a relaxing day of fishing and they you know, put their pole in the, in, the, uh, in the lake and they sit down with their back against a tree and start chewing on a piece of grass and you know, pull the hat over their head and take a nap. Nice relaxing day of fishing, right? This is not what that was. They weren't just out for a relaxing day of fishing. This was their livelihood. They walked away from their business to follow Jesus. From their business. Peter's eyes were opened. And for the first time, he saw himself for who he really was. He was far from God. He was far from God, yes. Mm hmm. Yeah. So you know what I'm talking about. 
You know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. And, you know, Peter's eyes were opened, and he saw himself, you know, how, he saw how far he was from, from what God wanted him to be. He saw how, how lost he was. I want to pause there for a minute and just think about that. Peter could have continued to look at his failings. He could have continued, says, Lord, I'm, you know, go away from me. I'm a sinful man. He could have continued to look at his own sinfulness. He could have continued to look at everything that was wrong in his life, things that were his fault, things that weren't his fault, but all the things that were wrong in his life. Or he could have complained about, now my nets are breaking and the boats, they, they just about sank, totally ignoring the huge catch of fish. But instead, he listened to the call of Jesus, and he heard with ears of faith, and he believed Jesus. He chose to believe Jesus, and he jumped all in. He didn't hesitate. He didn't hold anything back. He walked away from everything and followed Jesus. Peter was an ordinary person who went all in, spent time with Jesus, and as a result was able to do later on in life, he was able to do some incredible things as well as able to endure incredible persecution. Tradition has it that, he, that, went, that Peter was crucified, and when they crucified him, he said, no, not like you did, my Lord. Crucify me upside down because I'm not worthy to die like my Lord did. I can imagine that. Where did he get the grace? Where did he get the strength? Where did he get the faith to go through that? By spending time with Jesus. He would have never been able to do all that, all that he had done. He had, he, and, and you know, had he continued to just dwell on his condition, I'm a sinful man, or on his situation with the nets breaking, the sinking boat. Instead of looking at our torn nets and sinking boats, we need to open our eyes to see what God is doing right in front of us. And we need to open our ears to hear the greater things that he is calling us to. When Jesus called Peter to be a fisher of people, rather than just fish, the thing is, Peter wasn't ready. He wasn't ready, he wasn't prepared, but he heard the call, and he left his own view of himself behind. He left the breaking nets and the sinking boat behind. He left the temporary security of the greatest haul probably of his life. He left it all behind to go and follow Jesus. And then he spent the next three years following Jesus. And after spending time with Jesus and giving his whole life to him, this ordinary man was able to do extraordinary things like heal the sick, raise the dead, and endure intense persecution all the while with an attitude of thanksgiving and praise and in a spirit of joy in all of it. Second thing that happens when ordinary people spend time with Jesus is they become unstoppable. Unstoppable. After answering the call to follow Jesus, 
and being with him for three years, the disciples watched as he was crucified. They saw him appear. After Jesus rose, they saw Jesus appear to them. Then the Holy Spirit comes and fills them. And they began to do things that they saw Jesus do from spending those three years with him. See, those three years were spent with Jesus, listening to him teach. But it wasn't just listening to him teach. It was watching him do the things that he was doing. Watching him, him heal the, the, uh, the, 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 the lepers. You know, one time by just saying, okay, go give your gift to the priest. Uh, and, you know, your offering to the priest and show yourself and that, and the, the, the ten lepers went out and did that. Another time with a leper, just by touching him, he watched how Jesus operated. He watched how he, how he uh, 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 stopped the, the, the funeral procession of the, um, uh, the, the, the widow with her, uh, I believe it was her son, and, and you know, just laid his hand on the, uh, on the beer and, uh, and, and you know, he got up raised him back to life. Watch how he called Lazarus forth from the tomb. Watch how he treated the woman that was caught in adultery with compassion and saying, you know, they're, they're not condemning you. I'm not condemning you either. Just go and change your life. And, and you know, all these things that he did, and, and they watched that for three years. And they, 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 then they're sitting there with Jesus one, you know, a couple of times. They're sitting there with Jesus, and then he tells, he springs something on him. He goes, okay, you've seen me do all of this? Now you guys go out and do it. Go out. Go proclaim the kingdom. Heal the sick. Preach the kingdom. I mean... He said, and, and I could just see them. It's like, what? No, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm fine sitting here in my chair. I'm fine sitting here on this rock listening to you. But what do you mean me go out and do that? I can't do that. And Jesus says, you know, go and do it. At least twice he did that to them. One time it was just the apostles. Another time it was a larger group, about 72, and sent them out to do this. You know what happened? They did it. They stepped out and they did it. Anyway, spent three years uh, 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 watching him, and 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 you know the and and then uh, uh, and doing that stuff. So then, when Jesus rose from the dead, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they continued to do that stuff, even with more zeal and more passion than before. And and the religious leaders, I mean, they were having fits. They thought they had put this whole Jesus thing. They they thought they'd all just you know put it to death. They they you know. Thought, okay, finally, we're done with that guy. We're, you know, his followers are going to scatter. All of a sudden, his followers didn't scatter. They're still talking about you know, him thinking you know, with reports that he's alive. What do you mean he's alive? And they're still telling people, and they're going out, and they're continuing to do the stuff that Jesus had them doing and that Jesus showed them you know, how to do. They continued to do this stuff, and the religious leaders were furious. So, you know, they, they, uh, 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 they went and had the, uh, uh, the apostles arrested and thrown in jail. And well, during the night, an angel came and sprung him and said, okay, go back to where you were, go back to the temple and keep doing what you were doing, keep telling people about Jesus. So they did. Got up in the morning and they, they, the, the, the leaders checked the jail cell. Guess what? No apostles. 
The guys weren't there. They were gone. Somebody comes in, hey, those guys that you arrested, threw in jail, they're back in the temple courts. They're, they're still, they're talking about Jesus again. They were furious. They were angry. They were confused. They had no idea how they got out of jail. Brought them back in. And, and, you know, the religious leaders, they started to argue among themselves. What are we going to do with these guys? What, you know, what, what's going on here? What, how can we stop them? What are we going to do? They had already been jailed. They had already been threatened. They had already been beaten. Nothing was working. They weren't stopping what they were doing. Then a man named Gamaliel stood and spoke to the leaders. And this is what he said in Acts 5.38. says, leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it'll fail. It'll come to nothing. But if it's from God, you'll not be able to stop these men. You'll only find yourself fighting it against God. So he's saying, if it's man, it's going to fail. If it's God, they're unstoppable. After spending time with Jesus, they knew what they were to be about. They knew what they were to do. They knew their mission. They weren't going to allow themselves to get sidetracked off it. They were here to proclaim and demonstrate the kingdom of God. God is here and he's taking over. Theirs wasn't a political message about a political earthly kingdom. It was a call to total commitment to Jesus Christ. It's not a message of how you can get God to do things for you. How you can get God to work for you. It's a message that says Jesus is king and he's calling us to follow him 100% on his terms. That's the only way. His terms. Saying, follow me and commit your life to me every single area. See, God's not looking for superstars. He's looking for ordinary people that'll do two things. It'll give their whole life to him. And that means everything. That means that, you know, that, that Jesus rules every area of your life, not withholding an area. He rules your home life, your business life, your relationships, your sexuality, your church participation, your recreation, your, your alone time, your family time, every area you can think of, your finances, every area you can think of, it's included. It's saying, Lord, I give it all to you. Second thing, he's looking for ordinary people who will simply spend time with him because everything flows out of that. Getting to know him, not just about him, but getting to know him, building that relationship with him. Ordinary people who will do those things are unstoppable because we're learning to flow in what God is doing and he is unstoppable and he lives inside of us. The problem is we stop ourselves. We stop ourselves because we fail to recognize who we are in Christ and what he will do through us. We think that, that it all has to do with us. It doesn't. It has nothing to do with us. It's all about him. We think things like, I'm not capable of this. And we fail to realize that it's his spirit working through us. We think things like, well, I'm not worthy. And we fail to realize that he has already made us worthy. We think, I'm not ready. And we fail to realize he is ready. We, you know, and that if he's placing an opportunity in front of us, then he's saying, yes, you are ready because I'm in you and, you're, and I'm ready. See, we stop ourselves when the focus 
on all the things that we say, when we focus on all the things that we say we are not, instead of believing and focusing on all the things that Jesus says we already are. It's time we begin to step up and begin to walk in who Jesus says we are. If you're a believer in Jesus, then no matter what is going on in your life, if you are a believer in him, then because of Jesus, you are righteous. Because of Jesus, you are capable. Because of Jesus, you are powerful. Because of Jesus, you are forgiven. Because of Jesus, you are his. Because of Jesus, you are unstoppable. And you are an important and needed part of his family. When we see ourselves as Jesus declares us to be, as he has already made us, and we partner with other like-minded believers in the local church, then we as a church are unstoppable. The disciples were ordinary people who gave every area of their lives to Jesus. They spent time with him, learning from him, watching him, believing him when they, when, when, uh, uh, they went out to do the same things that he did through the same power that Jesus moved in. And they changed the world. And, and, you know, not only did what they, not only was what they did unstoppable, we're still being impacted by their lives today. Do you realize that? We're still being impacted by the apostles today, those ordinary people who simply gave their lives to Jesus and spent time with him. God has placed this church in this community. He has called us to this place. Now, we're an ordinary church. Just like so many of the other churches in the community. Some large, some small. Ordinary church with ordinary people. But God has placed us here. And he has called us here. And he's given us a mission. He wants us to love him. He wants us to serve this community and in so doing show his love to this community. He wants us to partner with each other and with him so that lives can be changed. All around us are people who are far from God. People who are struggling with addictions. People whose marriages are in trouble. Families that are breaking up. People who are wondering where their next meal is going to come from. People last night who were wondering not who's going to win the football game, but where can I sleep outside of this rain, get out from the rain. People who are struggling with their sexuality. People who are 
hurting and don't know where to turn for help. Or people that are building their lives on something that one day is just, they're just going to see it crumble beneath them. People who are waiting for someone to step up and simply be Jesus to them. To love them in spite of their brokenness, in spite of their pain, in spite of the, the uh, uncomfortableness. Even when they smell like sweat and fish. Guess what? That's us. That's you and that's me. That's this church. Forget about all the things that we're not. None of that matters. Like, we're not a big church. We're not a wealthy church. We're not a perfect church. You know, um, uh, uh, forget all about that. Because that's not what matters. What we are is ordinary people who are unstoppable because we've been with Jesus. Don't wait and say, I've got to get prepared first. Preparation only happens as we move forward in answer to his call and begin to spend time with him. The greatest preparation that the apostles had for, what the, for the life that, that, that God had for them the work that they were going to do, the, 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 the powerful things that God was going to use, ways that God was going to use them, the greatest preparation they had was simply the time spent with Jesus. Don't wait for things in your life to perfectly line up because they never will. Settle the issue now of being all in. Ask God. Tell him. Just tell him and say, Lord, I want to be all in. I hear your call. I want to follow you. I don't understand it all yet. I have a lot of questions. A lot of things I still need to figure out. But I hear you calling me and I want to say yes to you. I want to leave my life behind and follow you and yours. And then ask him to show you how he would have you to partner with us. I want everybody to bow your heads, close your eyes. I want to invite you to pray with me now. It's going to be very simple, very short. If you're deciding that you want to follow Jesus and you're all in 100%. Whether you're making this commitment the first time or you're making a recommitment to this. Or maybe you've been following him, but you can't honestly say you've been all in. But you want to now. I just invite you to pray with me now. Jesus, I want to follow you. 100%. I'm all in. Now show me how to partner with you and with the church. In Jesus' name, amen.
I've got one final verse for you. Love this verse, Ephesians 3.20. Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than all we might ask or think. Glory to God, glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. He's able to do through his power, his mighty power, that as it work within us, you and me, he's able to accomplish infinitely more than your wildest dreams. I'd like the worship team to come on up. If you prayed that prayer, we're going to go ahead and, and, and re receive our offering.